You're listening to the SSPX Podcast. We're starting a series of catechism lessons delivered here on the podcast. These are especially produced and made for children, young adults who may not be able to make it to a Sunday catechism class or their daily catechism class like normal. So Father Mackin has agreed to do a series of these catechism lessons. This first lesson is on the fourth commandment, why we must honor and respect our parents. Father Mackin is the pastor of the San Jose Chapel of the U.S. District's Chapel in San Jose, California, and he is in residence at Los Gatos, California. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. You can visit sspxpodcast.com to listen online, or you can subscribe to the podcast and receive all of these uh, lessons, reflections, sermons, meditations, and talks in your podcast feed automatically. Thank you for listening. We are using, again, the book of My Catholic Faith. We're now on chapters 102 and 103, which deals with the fourth commandment. I think we all know the fourth commandment, and hopefully by the end of this catechism, we'll have a greater understanding of that commandment, and hopefully a greater respect and love for our parents. Maybe I can start with a story. The story is about a man who was a famous German general, and his name was Zenithan. And while still a boy, he served as a page at the court of Frederick I, who was the king of Prussia. Part of his duty as a page was to keep guard at the king's bedroom door. And the young boy often took, took uh, the place of other pages who paid him for taking their turn because he wanted to earn money to send back home to his mother, who was poor. And one night... The king, again, Frederick I, king of Prussia, the king couldn't sleep. And so he wanted a certain book in order to read. He rang several times for his page, but to no answer. And so finally, the king got up to find out why the bell was not being answered. Besides the door, as he went out, he found the young boy, Zenithan, fast asleep, holding in his hand a half-completed letter to his mother. And so the king picked it out of the hand of the boy and read it. The boy was writing his mother on how hard it was to keep awake when he worked the midnight hours, but how happy he was that he was making seven or eight dollars more in order to be sending her. The king was so touched by the young man's devotion that he ended up putting a roll of gold coins in each one of the youth's pockets. And the following day, he gave the lad a commission in the army. And in time, this young boy, who can hardly stay awake at night, rose to the rank of a military general in the army. And so, in this moment, we might reflect on the fourth commandment, which is honor thy father and thy mother. And God, in this case, has made a special promise a promise to bless all those, especially on earth, who honor and respect their parents. And as we know, God certainly will keep all of his promises. And so now, before we move on to understand what it is that the fourth commandment teaches, may I first say that you know there's ten commandments. The first three belong to God, and the next seven belong to neighbor. And since the commandments are in order of their importance, it would follow that number four would be the first commandment concerning neighbor. 
And from that, we can conclude that in this life, right next to God, we should have the greatest love, the greatest respect, and the highest honor for our parents. I think that sometimes we end up treating everyone around us better than our parents. Our best friends, colleagues, fellow workers, or teammates are often in our eyes sometimes more important. But hopefully again, one of the, the lessons we will learn at the end of this catechism is the great love and reverence that we must have for our parents. So in the following two chapters of 102 and 103, we will see uh, three different points. The first point that we're gonna see is, what are we commanded by the fourth commandment? The second point, what we will see, is the question, does the fourth commandment oblige us to obey and respect other authorities? And the third point that we will see is what are the duties of parents towards their children? Um, as far as some questions, some frequently asked questions that we uh, hope to answer throughout this, I would like to give you the five questions uh, that, again, frequently asked questions concerning the fourth commandment that we will try to answer either throughout the lesson or come and answer at the end. Uh, first question is, you know, should I ever correct my parents if they're wrong? Uh, the second question, frequently asked question is, is it a sin to make fun of or mock my parents? Number three, do children have a strict obligation to take care of their parents in their old age? Number four, do we have to obey the civil authorities even if those authorities are corrupt and evil. And fifth and last question that we'd like to look at is, is it a sin to disobey priests and bishops? And obviously, we think of our present-day situation. You know, can one legitimately refuse to obey the Holy Father, for instance, and still be said to, to obey the fourth commandment? So let us begin. So again, the first Part of the first of the three points that we're going to look at is what, what is the basic teachings of the fourth commandment? Well, we can say obviously that the fourth commandment is to honor our, our parents, and we can say that there's three parts to that, in fact. We must respect them. Now, to have respect for somebody means to give them a certain uh, position of honor in your life. And of course, we have to look through the human side. So often we only see the human side. But we have to understand that the parents are in position over the children by God's authority. God wills it. The second thing we must see is that uh, we, we have to accept parents' corrections. When our parents correct us, sometimes it's very painful. But children have got to accept those corrections willingly. Uh, and thirdly, we must strive as much as we can to excuse or to hide the faults of our parents. Another point I'd like to bring under the, this question of what are we commanded by the fourth commandment is to show that children show that they follow this commandment to the degree that they try to please their parents. You know, a young child, he should obey his parents even without question. We always tell the kids in school, the little kids, that 
that loving and grateful kids try to do what their parents want even before the parents ask. So the kid that's very vigilant, for instance, and he sees the trash is overflowing, and he goes ahead and takes the trash out even before his parents ask, or he cleans his room before they ask, or makes his bed, imagine. <laughs> the third uh, thing that we'd like to s- question on here is the, that older children, when, when you get to the teenage years often is when we see the difficulty in the promptly obeying our parents. When we're little children, it's, it's a lot easier. But for the older children, while they may question the command of their parents in their own mind, they are nevertheless obliged by the fourth commandment to obey their parents in all lawful commands. Now, when we say all lawful commands, we mean, obviously, any reasonable command that is not sinful. So if your parents are, are commanding you not to eat food for two weeks, this is not a reasonable command. You will die. <laughs> okay. And of course, they've also got to tell you to do things that are legal. If your dad commands you to drink and to drive at the same time, drink alcohol and drive, uh, you can say, sorry, dad, I don't think that's legal. Now, it says in the book of Exodus, and this is a very beautiful quote. It says in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt have a long life upon the land that the Lord thy God will give thee. You know, it was always understood that because of this promise, God is going to bless you to the degree that you honor your parents. We also see this command in the books of the epistles by St. Paul. Firstly, we see it in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, where St. Paul says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And again, he says it in the book of Colossians, where he says, Colossians chapter 3, Children, obey your parents in all things, for that is pleasing to the Lord. So in short, all that we're seeing here is that God spoke clearly in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, that children are supposed to obey their parents without question, that they're supposed to try to please them, and to carry out their command insofar as it is reasonable and lawful. You know, it's, it's funny how, how foolish children can be. It really is. Uh, children are, are, in fact, very often questioning their parents or even thinking that they somehow know better than their parents. To sort of drive home the point, uh, one time I, I remember seeing a birthday card in a store. It was a birthday card from a son to his father. And the birthday card was quite humorous and and had a good point. The birthday card started out reminding his dad that when I was four years old, dad, I thought that you could do all things. That when I was eight years old, dad, I thought, well, dad doesn't really know what I'm doing. Meaning that he thought he he, he was fooling his father. At 12 years old, dad, I said, oh, well, naturally, dad doesn't understand anything. At 14, I said, well, my dad, he's hopelessly old-fashioned. When I was 21 years old, I would say, the son says about his father, oh, that man is out of date. What would you expect anyways? At 25 years old, the son would admit, well, every now and again, my dad comes up with a good idea. At 30 years old, the son says, well, I have to find out what dad would think about this. So you see, at 30, he's becoming more mature. 
At 35 years old, the young man says, a little patience, let's get dad's input first. And 50 years old, when, a, when, this, when the son has grown up to 50 years old, he often says, I wonder what dad would have thought about that. And when he is in his older years, 60 years old or older, he would say, boy, if I could only talk to dad once more. And so we see that obviously as it started out, that, that birthday card, when the, per, when, when the kid was just four years old, it was an exaggeration, obviously. Dad could do all things. And when we were just little toddlers or, or, or children, we really do think dad is a superhuman of some sort. But as we grow up through those, especially those adolescent years, somehow we, we have this rebellious side of us that likes to question the authority or that tends to draw away from our parents. But then in the old age, it seems to come back around. And while when we are 60 or 70 years old, we wouldn't be as foolish as to think dad could do all things. But we would understand that with age comes wisdom and experience. And foolish is the person. Foolish is he who does not want to learn from another's experience and another's wisdom. So we can actually say then, part of the fourth commandment, would require or expect children to turn to their parents. So in other words, a son or daughter should certainly consult uh, their parents regarding important steps in their life, steps such as when they go to college or if they're going to get married or perhaps that they're thinking of a religious vocation. And a general rule for any of the kids listening, a general rule is this. If you are doing something, if you are hiding a decision in your life, trying to keep it away from mom and dad, it's usually because it's a bad decision. Okay, It's usually because you are too ashamed to tell them about that decision, and for that reason, you're hiding it from them. So be transparent. Be open and honest to your parents. God will bless you. Remember the promise in the book of Exodus that he will bless you in your life. In order to drive home the point even further, we can now turn to the example of the Christ child. Remember it was Christ himself who chose to be subject to Joseph and Mary, and that means he had parents. Several places in the Bible, they, they tell us that, you know, we, we learn of the Christ child when he was in the temple, for instance, at the age of 12. And it says that the, after the, the finding of the child Jesus in the temple, which we celebrate in the fifth joyful mystery, it says that he was subject to them. He went, and it was for 18 more years that our blessed Lord, from the age of 12 to the age of 30, was subject to his parents and lived with them in their home in Nazareth, where he grew in age and wisdom and grace before God and man. We can't forget those beautiful, precious years. Those are such formative years where he would have learned in the carpentry shop. He would have watched his father uh, conducting his trade of being a carpenter. And he would, have, he would have learned. He would have learned from his mother through her pious example, the Blessed Mother. He would have seen her great care and taking care of the house and preparing the meals. All this is what parents will end up teaching their children. And we tell the parents that it's, it's so true that you teach your children more by example than, than you'll ever teach them uh, by, your, by word. Now we move on to the second point. 
The second point that we're going to look at is, it was the question, does the fourth commandment teach me to obey any, any other uh, superiors or other authority? Well, we can look at uh, St. Paul's uh, letter to the Romans, chapter 13, verse 1, where it says, quote, there is no authority except from God. So this leads us to believe that any, any person in authority, it may be a guardian who takes the place of your parents, it could be a teacher at school or a coach or your grandparents, no matter who it is, that person, to the degree that they have authority, St. Paul says in Romans that that authority comes only from God. So we must remember that next time we disrespect our teachers, the next time we disobey our coach on the field or on the, on the basketball court, the next time we completely disregard our grandfathers and grandmothers, you are doing so to your own ruin. You are doing so to your own shame because those people are in position over you by the will of God. And to the degree that you learn to respect and to obey them, again, in all things reasonable and lawful, to the degree that you do that is to the, is to the degree that God will bless you in this life. I remember back to high school myself when just how great of an influence a coach, for instance, can be. I remember our, our football coach in high school was, was practically a legend to the boys who, who served under him. And even later in life, as, uh, as these students after graduation would go off to college and get married and have children, so many of them, I remember hearing stories, would, would come back to the school uh, to meet the football coach, to talk to him. That's how much great respect they had for this man. That during the most important and formative years of their life, which is that high school age range, uh, that coach was there to, yes, teach them football, to, yes, push them hard in practice. But really, it was life lessons that he taught them. Life lessons of, of perseverance, of conduct, of, of, of important conduct on and off the field. They, I remember the football coach, he had, he had a very strict code that he expected you to be a, the best athlete you could be on the field and also the best student that you could be in the classroom. He did not want to hear uh, about these, about his athletes, about his players going to, to late night parties and, and being, you know, being a loser in this sense, um, partying and, 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 and misbehaving. He said that would not be, that would not take place on his sports team. And because of that, his sports team was in fact very successful. Besides guardians, teachers, and coaches, we can also say though that employers um, should have it, uh, should have obviously respect and loyalty um, of their workers. So an employer obviously is someone who hires another person. Um, the workers working for him, they they really do need to respect and show him loyalty. And last of all, we can say that we need to have a respect for civil and ecclesiastical authorities. Now, on this note, I would like to say, and any especially directed to any of the teenagers listening. That we live in an age that holds authority in contempt. Okay, we we live in an, in an age that holds authority with great suspicion, and so we must be very careful, always trying to give the benefit of the doubt to superiors, even with decisions that we might not like. Okay, so yes, you may not like or agree that the drinking age is twenty one years old, but guess what? That is that is decided by the government. 
And they decide often these things because of the immaturity of the culture that, that we live in. <clears throat> so, believe it or not, it's true that the age being 21 for drinking does, in fact, save lives. Um, perhaps we can say in Catholic countries it's much lower. Okay, I understand that. But still, in this country, given the present-day uh, dilemma of the immaturity of the youth, given the, the, the immaturity of the parents and the broken families, given all of those circumstances, um, one, one would do well to give the benefit of the doubt to the civil magistrates who have created these laws. And again, there's nothing sinful about this law. So whether you, whether you believe it or not, uh, it is not a sinful law. In the third part of the Catechism, we're going to ask this question, what are the duties of parents towards their children? In short, parents are to provide for their children in their physical and their spiritual welfare. So what does that mean? Well, it means that parents, it means that they have to take care of you in several different ways. We say, number one, they have to give you food and they have to give you clothing. Uh, no, it doesn't mean they have to give you your favorite ice cream. <laughs> but they must provide for you a, a degree of, of, of food and, and, and beverage of water in order to uh, keep you healthy. The second thing they must do is to guard you from accidents or from sickness. Number three, they ought to give you suitable time for play and for exercise. And fourthly, we can say um, that parents really need to have a constant personal supervision over their children. Children, we like to remind the parents, children do not belong to babysitters. Okay, so these, these, these places where, that are daycares, where babies are left all day, um, they should not be an option unless compelled by grave reasons. Parents should also send their kids to good Catholic schools and assist as best as they can in supporting the teachers and supervising the homework and the discipline are being maintained. So parents really, really should not send their kids to non-Catholic schools uh, without permission. In the olden days, it was, it was required that you actually have to have permission from the bishop of the diocese if you were going to send your kid to a secular non-Catholic school. And today, because of the problem with even in Catholic schools, uh, one might find a, a different set of principles to go off of. But still, it's always good to consult your, your pastor, your, your priest, and to ask um, what can be done. The Book of My Catholic Faith now asks the question, well, how should parents provide moral and religious instruction to their children? First thing that the parents um, must do is that as soon as the child is able to speak, that child should already be starting to learn his prayers. Also, children should not be given complete liberty, um, and they should be very carefully guarded against moral evils. Thirdly, parents must correct their children's faults. Not too harsh, but not too lenient. And fourthly, parents must, above all, be good examples to their children. The last point under this third part of the Catechism on how parents should treat their children when they grow up um, it is a good question, isn't it, to think, you know, when, when parents have their children at home in their young life and then the adolescent life, you know, they're so used to commanding them. They're so used to having them there um, for all the different purposes. And so there comes a day, of course, 
when the child is no longer a child, but is an adult. And when that day comes, the parents ought to try to their hardest to work with their child, to encourage their child, to pursue what talents and what abilities that they might have in order to accomplish what is God's will for them. But we always say that parents should not be selfish with their children. They should not be trying to decide their future state of life for them. You know, we, we all know stories of parents, fathers who, who wanted their kids to take over the business for them or, or that my son has to be a lawyer because I'm a lawyer or whatever it is. Um, <clears throat> we say we, parents have to take caution there. Now, children also, also should want to, again, strive to please parents, but to the degree that that is possible and to the degree that God has given you the ability and if it's God's will or not. Fathers who are, we, we always say too, fathers who are overprotective of their daughters uh, should not interfere in the choice of marriage unless there's a serious problem, a serious uh, sinful problem. Then, of course, the father must um, intervene. Um, it's also true that parents would sin greatly if, if they tried to prevent their children from choosing a religious vocation. Now, in all what I said, I want to make it clear that obviously the parents are totally in charge of their children um, in the process of, of getting them from the, ch- from the state of being a child to the state of being an adult. And of course, you're not an adult just because you're 18. You know, many parents have that rule. You live under my roof, and therefore you must obey me. And I completely back, and any Catholic priest would completely back those parents in so doing. Of course, parents should also be very, very vigilant when it comes to dating. Because when the children start dating, well, hopefully they're not children, they're, they're, they're young adults, as we say, uh, there's many dangers and there's many things that can happen which can affect the rest of their life for evil, for, for wicked purposes. And so parents really have a grave obligation to make sure that they're a part of their children's life, a part of their decision making. Now, I told you there was five frequently asked questions, so we're going to go through these five rather quick. Number one, should, parents, should children ever correct their parents? Well, the answer to this question is that it should only occur if the child is going to correct his parents, only when it's extremely necessary, as when they're doing something very sinful. But even in the midst of giving a correction, a son or daughter must always show respect and reverence for their office. The second question asked, is it a sin for children to mock and make fun of their parents? Well, to answer that question, we say yes, it is. Children should take great care to never mock their parents. In fact, you can remember the story in the Old Testament. In the example of of Ham in the book of Genesis, that wicked son of Noah who received a curse from his own father because he mocked him. You remember the story that Noah accidentally fell drunk by drinking the strong vintage. He did not know of its strong effects, St. Thomas Aquinas says. And so Noah fell and was drunk. And his son found him in this drunken state and, and laughed at him and mocked him. And the other two sons of Noah covered their father's face, covered it with a, with a, with a, with a uh, piece of cloth in order to show the respect for their father. And when Noah awoke... He cursed that wicked son that mocked him. 
So we should remember that the next time we want to mock our parents, the next time we want to make fun of our grandparents, we should remember that, that we too curse our own selves. The third question that we're going to ask is, do children have an obligation to take care of their parents in their old age? To answer the question, we can simply say yes. A grown child must provide for his parents in their need and make their life as comfortable as possible. And here we can reflect just how sad it is today that children are just so quick to check mom and dad into a nursing home to be relieved of the burden of taking care of them. In fact, I remember I was at a hospital one time uh, giving the last rites to someone who was dying all alone. It was a it was a mother, and she was rather advanced in age, and she had several children, and none of them could come and be with the mother. And I remember a nurse telling me, Father, this is very common. I see it all the time. Parents dying without their children at their bedside, all because their children are too busy in their own life to come visit their parents. And that is a very sad, sad thought. A fourth frequently asked question is do we have to obey the civil authorities? Even, and especially because we see in these civil authorities, oftentimes um, people who are wicked or, or they are hypocrites themselves. Um, the answer to the question is that yes, we have an obligation to obey the civil law and the authorities as best as we can. And because of the fact that they might in themselves be living wicked lives or be hypocrites, that really doesn't factor in as, as an excusing factor. Remember what St. Paul says. We gave the quote already. Remember he says that all authority comes from God. And so it's independent of the personal conduct of the person who's in charge. His authority is still on loan from God. Remember what our blessed Lord, in fact, said to the Jews. He said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Remember who Caesar was. Caesar was a pagan emperor. He was obviously a man who was given to many vices, and he was immoral. And yet still, our blessed Lord reminded the Jews that they had a grave obligation to give to Caesar the things that were Caesar's. And now for the fifth and last frequently asked question that that we often get, especially us priests, it's this question of, well, okay, you, you Catholics, you traditional Catholics, You claim to really try your hardest to follow the faith and obviously all the Ten Commandments, which means the fourth one, to respect all authorities, especially ecclesiastical authority. And so often then the traditionalists are asked this question, well, why then aren't you obeying the Pope? Why then aren't you obeying the local bishops or oftentimes the the local pastors whose churches you should belong to? Obviously, it's a complicated question. And yet we can give a very simple answer to this question. A simple answer. Just like an example that we can give is that just like my father, I love my father and I respect and honor him in everything I can. However, to the, to the point where my dad tells me to do something that is against my faith or that is against good morals, I have to respectfully disobey him. And it's in this position that we traditional Catholics have found ourselves since the, the conclusion of Vatican Council II and the promulgation of the new Mass, uh, which came at the end of the 1960s. So it's been quite some time now. In fact, this year marks the 50th anniversary 
of the founding of our order, of the SSPX, by Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre. And so it's good for us to recall then these last 50 years. Have we been this disobedient child who has a schismatic heart and who does not want to obey the Pope at all costs just because we prefer the old Mass and the old liturgy? Or is there, is there a deeper reason behind our supposed disobedience? And of course the answer is yes, there is a deeper reason. None of us want to be rebellious Catholics. None of us want to disobey the Pope. This is it's the most beautiful, most Catholic thing in the world, to obey the Holy Father. And yet, we find that, again, because the Holy Father is commanding and giving directives uh, to do things that are dangerous to the faith, it's on those grounds that we politely, that we respectfully have to disobey. And of course, the disobedience is nothing to do with the honor that is given to the position of him being the Pope. And for this reason, we pray for him every day in our Masses. For this reason, um, when we see the Holy Father, we will show him the greatest of respect. It's for this reason that our superiors, in fact, reach out to him very often, as often as we can, uh, with private audiences or with trips to Rome. And no matter what, we always pray for the Pope. There's a picture of the Holy Father, in fact, in all of our churches to show visitors that we, that we do adhere as much as we can to the directives, to the commands of the Holy Father. And so that would then conclude this 30-some-minute catechism on honor thy father and thy mother. Again, I hope that it was instructive. I hope that it was beneficial for you. Let us always remember, though, in short, that we are given but two parents in this life. And those two parents are precious. And this fourth commandment teaches us that we are to love, to respect, and to obey them. And that means that we have to try our hardest to please them and that we also should return to them so much of the blessings that they gave us. If it weren't for your parents, you would not have life. If it weren't for your parents, you would not have all the good memories of your childhood. If it weren't for your parents, you wouldn't have a lot of things in life, in fact. And so return blessing for blessing. Return their, their love with your love, by taking care of them, by obeying them, by defending them even, and, and, and trying your hardest to even excuse them. Because yes, they are human. And if they're human, that means that they're, they're going to make mistakes. There's no perfect parents out there. Okay? So let's follow the example of Christ, the Christ child. He loved his parents so much. We know that. And that is why, uh, traditionally, our Lord took his mother, body and soul, into heaven. And it's interesting how we don't know for sure, but we don't know. Uh, it could have also occurred of St. Joseph, although that's not a teaching and not a dogma of the faith. We see the great love that he had for his parents, Blessed Mother and St. Joseph. So with that, may I conclude. Uh, God bless you all. Let's say a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall it be, world without end. Amen. St. Joseph, pray for us. Our Lady of Lords, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.